0: Welcome back to Love, Life & Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times of ours. And today I'm doing an interview with a really cool cat. His name is Larry Moffat. If you don't know him, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, you're about to know him because we do an in-depth conversation about everything under the sun and a little bit further beyond the sun. He's a really good storyteller. He really feels like a consummate guy sitting on a rocking chair telling stories with a pipe, that kind of guy. And in the beginning, we just kind of get to know who he is and his background, but progressively we get into, you know, some really amazing wisdom about how he survived temptation in his his marriage, when he was traveling, all sorts of hijinks that he avoided near disaster, and he has some really good tips on how you can avoid disaster. But then he ends with a poem. So you can imagine if if we, you know, go all over the place and end up with a poem, it's going to be a good podcast. So please stick around for the poem. Also, in the show notes, there will be a link for his book. He has an amazing book. I remember buying it years back, back when I think I was in Maryland. He had an edition that I bought and he's revised it and revised it. And so you can get it on Amazon check out his book. It's an autobiography that has very pract- very funny stories, but also really practical stories about, there's an entire, for all you guys out there, an entire chapter on how you can control your package, meaning your whang. So, really cool guy, very open book. He speaks like, I don't know, like a, like a tap dancing turtle. That's what he speaks like. So, let's get into this episode with Larry Moffat. All right. We are here with the aforementioned Mr. Moffat, the lair bear. And I just want to say that Mr. Larry Moffat, if I, we mentioned this in our kind of communique written, but if you and I were born around the same time, I really feel like the world, the universe couldn't handle us. I, I, some, there'd be some Ripple in time space, whereby everything would be instantly better. We could have saved all of history if we were just born. We could have lost mankind. You know, people people would have been saying, "You know, we never see
1: Larry and Andrew in the same place at the same time." It makes you wonder. And then we would have to do this to prove we're not the same person.
0: I don't think this would help. Mm. This this is making it more confusing. I remember um, I told you
1: one time I said, you know, every time you know, every day you wake up and you're not doing comedy in some big venue somewhere, Jesus is probably crying. And and and, and you said, Well, you know, what you're doing now is more important than getting empty laughs in a in a in a in a, in a club. And I agree with that.
0: I, I partly agree with that. I mostly agree with that. I I appreciate your most mostly agreement. I will I will find a way to bridge those two sides of me, but if I had to, you know, like, would you choose your left arm or your right arm? Well, it depends which hand you write in and do all the stuff with. So the side of me that gets the most fulfillment and helps the world the most is the side that I'm dumping all my energy into, and if Good comedy, if I, you know, it'll be fine. So it'll all work out in the end. In the meantime, okay. you're just a solo act, and I'll get okay, your intro sure. later. Let me show you my backdrop.
1: I just noticed it. This, uh, can you see this? This is a picture of Father fishing. He's on the, he's standing on that boat. And, and the thing above him is this wave of light. And we thought, well, it was a camera light leak. Somebody took it and, and gave it to Antonio Betancourt. And Father said, oh, that's my dog. And Father said, that's spiritual phenomena. And he said, he said wherever this picture hangs, there will be good
0: spiritual protection.
1: So is it's that- not exactly hanging, but it, it is sitting.
0: <laughs> so you get partial points.
1: Yeah, well, I get I- partial points. Every trick in the book.
0: For people who don't know you, okay with like the one or two people on earth who don't know about you I would love for them To to know that you're just like an every you're kind of an everyman if you're you're not you're not wearing fur coats Wherever you go. You're not like a flashy guy, but you like you just kind of whip out stories every once in a while that You know you spent you were in the room I believe when true was speaking with Gorbachev and you helped to make that Happened, didn't you? Yeah, you I like, helped make it happen. That's bananas. I mean,
1: that's, that's an amazing. I've been very, very fortunate. I started in nineteen. I was born in at the. I was born at the age of twenty five in nineteen seventy four. Okay, and and I I was uh, I had done a lot of media productions. We do three screen media shows, and shown them all over town. And we raised money, to uh, for uh, mentally retarded children. I was involved in Special Olympics. We take this this slideshow, very emotional music and everything. Ching, 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 ching. Richie Haven singing, "Here Comes the Sun." Oh my God! And with these kids, and then a close up and zooming and panning, and 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 it would show them just doing fun stuff with their big buddies and the little buddies, and uh, we'd show it to these businessmen in the civic clubs, and they would cry. They would cry, and then we would pass the hat and take the kids <laughs> camping. And we'd go camp, we'd go camp, we'd go to the store and fill up three shopping baskets with uh, with with groceries for the kids. You know, we we're gonna feed them steak and eggs and all this kind of stuff on the camp out. And we'd go through the checkout stand, and the, 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 the lady, the girl that was pulling the card, she would just say, I'm eating for two. And so. So anyway, we took <laughs> the kids camping. We did all that, and then this girl called me, who see one a social worker named Donna Avey. She's now a big deal in Alaska, and she she called me up one day and she said, "What do you believe in?" She had seen one of my media shows in a social work class because we showed it to to recruit kids for our Big Buddies program, and uh, and she asked me, "What do you believe in?" And I said, "I believe in unity and energy." She said, do you believe in God? I said, well, if you have unity and energy, God shows up. That's what happens. And that was my theology. And so she <laughs> says, come on over for lunch on Saturday. I said, okay. She said, and plan to stay all night. And I thought, what Whoa. manner of woman is this? <laughs> <laughs> <That's> spicy. <clears throat> so I went over, and within about two weeks, I Esteban Galvan, who's the the leader in Bronx for years and years was the leader there. And he used to at dinner time he would I would hear a lecture and come out and give my impression. I'd hear chapter one, chapter two. I heard the mission of Jesus and oh I heard chapter two. And I thought I didn't relate it to myself. I said Adam and Eve, those idiots. They ruined <laughs> it for everybody. And and then I, I heard uh, chapter three, the mission of or the mission of Jesus And he said, so, and so you can see it was not Jesus's original mission to come and die on the cross. And I said, well, everybody knows that. And he looked at me, he said, you're a Christian. I said, yeah, just, I didn't go to church. I'd kind of come to the end of churches, but I was, I had long hair, long Jesus hair. I was a Christian. I was flying in the wind, man. And, and, and because Jesus, you know, tried to get everybody to gather like chicks under a hen's wing and. And he wept, shortest sentence in the Bible, Jesus wept. So I knew Jesus. This wasn't working for Jesus. So all this stuff, and I'd come out and I'd give my impressions at dinner, my of the lecture and stuff like that. <laughs> and statement would always ask me to do my impression of John Wayne and the Mexicans, which I did one time at dinner because there are all these Latin Americans sitting around the table. So I would, <laughs> We came to this God-forsaken little Spanish mission about a word called liberty. So I would do, I don't like that. And <laughs> and anyway, I loved them. They loved me. Donna Avey had her three-month spiritual birthday on June 17. And so I decided, okay, this is my spiritual birthday. I already knew I was in. I just hadn't heard the conclusion. I already knew I was in. So I chose June 17th as my spiritual birthday. Anyway, that's how I came to exist.
0: Easy sell. You're an easy sell, prepared person. I I,
1: I was low-hanging fruit, man. I had already done so much searching, walking around in the woods crying. In high schools, starting in October, I would start to get thoroughly depressed up until Christmas Eve, and would spend that night out walking, looking for that dang star, crying. And, and wondering, what's going on? I, I I didn't know Jack, but I just knew things were messed up. Things were messed up. I've always had people talking to me in my head. So, <laughs> there
0: you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, and then you joined, and you... A lot of people hear this information, and then they feel change, and they feel excited. And then a few years pass by, and they realize that to... Be in this game to be alive, awake, to be kind of moving forward requires continual effort, and that's something that you don't really understand in the beginning. You think saved is saved, and I'll, I'll be all right, especially in the area of kind of interpersonal stuff. In terms of like maybe you 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 experience God in the forest or searching for stars on Christmas Eve, like you, but people is where a lot of people fall short, right? The business of people, but you seem like an extremely amiable man. Do you, did you have issues with that aspect of like growing God's kingdom on this earth? Or was that always kind of easy for you because you're good with people? No, it was never easy. I always, I always, the thing is the
1: fundamental, if the, 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 the keystone is put in place, then the arch stays supported. And the keystone for me was during one of the lectures in the prayer room with Donna. And she said, if you don't finish your mission, you have to come back and finish it through somebody else. And I was thinking back, Jesus didn't succeed. So I said, did Jesus, so Jesus did not fulfill his mission, did he? She said, no. And I said, well, does he have to work through somebody else? She said, yes. And I said, is she working through them? And I pointed to the picture of True Parents on the the little table. And she go, yes. And I said, well then, then they're the Messiah. he there they're the Messiah, right? And she said, yes. And I said, wow. That makes me a disciple. And and they hadn't even let me join yet. I kept trying to join. I give them money. I gave them my refrigerator. I gave them a bunch of things. They wouldn't let me join. They said, you got to hear conclusion, <laughs> whatever that is. So they wouldn't. Let me. So I thought, you know, it was kind of a stretch to say I'm a disciple. I was, I was. When I was in Sunday school, I knew that was my mission. In the third grade, they sent Jesus sent some guys out to go get this donkey so he could ride into Israel on the back of a donkey. He went to the, I said, "He'll give it to you." Went to the house, talked to the guy. Said, "Yeah, you can borrow the donkey." And so Jesus sat on and rode into Israel. And I told my teacher, "I wish I was alive back then, so I could be. I would have gone to get that donkey." I would have gone, get, or I would have given him the donkey, if i had had it. Yeah,
0: you—you uh, would have been a great donkey boy. I, I, I would—I would have said, "Take my ass." <laughs> if, and so, okay, interpersonally, I, it's good to know that everybody struggles because I just always see you as this person who floats through—you know, communicating with people. You seem like a really easygoing guy. Um, huge struggles.
1: But, huge struggles
0: huge struggles
1: cannot. i don't want to downplay it but i never thought about leaving the true parents it never occurred to me that that was an option i thought this is it was chosen for me and i've always had a lot of a huge amount of spiritual help way more than i deserve and and but but huge struggles i've met some real some people in this movement are a real piece of work you know <laughs> and 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 so I've, I've and and i've always had the as my central figure sure or or an, Make, or an associate for a rock for... band i helped start a newspaper i wrote a, a weekly column in a newspaper i started the world media association i helped organize the march on moscow to meet gorbachev I, I went to north korea twice met kim il-sung i mean a lot of amazing things happened i'm Like, I just wander around and I stumbled into things.
0: Yeah.
1: And now I got old.
0: No, you didn't. Not yet. Not yet. My wife and I just had this conversation last night. Old is when you lose your standards. That's what old is. And you still have hilarious standards. What what standards
1: do you lose when you're old
0: that you don't lose when you're young? Ah, uh, I, I could eat the rest of that pie or... Ah, you know, another show isn't so bad, or, you know, you, you just kind of get lazy. Yeah, that's that's what age is, and that could be any physical age. I've seen people my age who are incredibly old. They've, like, basically given up. They're just riding this thing out until they die. But I've, you're very much, you're a live wire. I saw you, I don't even know when that was, like a year ago, back when we were in Maryland. Almost a year ago, that was almost a year ago. And you're looking great, you know? I feel like you're very much alive, you're learning, you're adaptive. And I think that, to tie this back, I think that has a lot to do with your journey, the fact that you are kind of milling about, stumbling into all sorts of different situations and doing it with humor, doing it with wisdom, and just trying to be a good guy. And that's what I want to ask you about, because I read your book and there's a lot of stuff about sexuality. And that's the name of our game. There you go. We'll send a link so that people can get it. It's an amazing, it's, it's very Searching
1: funny for San Viejo, Notes to My Younger Self. And there's yes. a little B on the front, okay.
0: They can get that on Amazon?
1: Yeah, it's on Amazon. Okay.
0: Yeah, we'll get a link for that. But there's, you know, while you're traveling, obviously temptations, different temptations and for a lot of people listening let's say for the person who's just newly blessed they're completely in love they don't understand what physical temptation looks like or feels like they know what porn temptation feels like because they're steeped in it but you've been in situations i remember you telling me that were pretty sticky and you got some good advice so i'd love to unpack that a little bit
1: okay In about 82 or something, father was in the middle of his trial in Danbury. They ended up with him going to Danbury, and it wasn't going well. And he called, he told Dr. Pott, ask Larry Moffat to come down to the courthouse. What? Yeah, so I came down to the courthouse, and I kind of, I I know mother didn't like members going to the trial. So I I heard that. So I sat in the back with my head down below this guy, because occasionally she would look around the room And I was keeping, and I thought I'll just say it. And then, when the way they broke for lunch, I went into, followed them into the the, an an empty jury room where they were having ordered in some carryout sushi. Trial was not going well. Everybody was thoroughly bummed out. Father was laughing and keeping everybody's spirits high, and I thought that is so true, Father. That is so true, Father. And Doctor Pok says, Father wants you to take journalists to Moscow, and I said okay. And I asked father, why Why are we going? And he said, seeing is believing. I know seeing's not, everything in Moscow is a big production number from the sound of music. You know, all <laughs> singing, all dancing tractors and kindergartners. And so I already knew that and I said, okay. I didn't wanna argue with father, but I said, is it okay if I set up some meetings with journalists while we're there? Father said, that's a great idea. I said, okay. So then organized it and went there. And that led to 10 years of fact-finding trips. And uh, what was your original question? In in Moscow. Yeah, I went to Moscow. We went there the first year, came back. Six weeks later, Brezhnev dies. We go again 40 days later and Dropov dies. The, The leaders. They kept dying after we would visit. And we go there, come back, Chernobyl melts major providential events were happening that were weakening the Soviet Union when we went to Moscow. It finally occurred to me. Father said, this is very important work. I would come back I would come back and go to report to father and I would bring him like, I'd bring him all my liquor. We got, the, you'd meet people and they'd always give me a bottle of hooch. Some of it was this clear stuff with some grass and buffalo in front and we had a shot at dinner and I you could clean your paintbrushes with it. <laughs> and and, and I, I'd bring it back. Here it is, Father. Look at the bottle. here's all the unopened bottles, you know. And and he would say, you know, did you have some of this at dinner? And I said, yep. And we exchanged toasts, and you know, they propose a toast and I propose a toast. I said it doesn't go much beyond that because otherwise I would be under the carpet. But <clears throat> we, Father, said okay. And he'd take the bottle. He'd take one of the bottles and he would sign it, give it to Peter Kim, say give it. Put that in the archives and toss the rest so we'd do that and, and he, then he looked at me and he said Larry they're going to send you pretty girls they're going to send you pretty girls and this was after about my second trip and I already done the pretty girls thing me and two guys were walking along in Leningrad we're walking along chatting These there were three of us these three Drop dead gorgeous women, who stepped out of somebody's fantasy, were kind of in front of us. And they heard, they turned and said, "Oh, you're speaking English? We speak English too." I said, uh, "They said we work for Radio Moscow. Really? We work for the mass media. Also, we're newspaper guys. Really? Media, media. Three of us. Pretty girls, handsome guy. They loved my pot belly, and and, (laughs) and 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 so." You know, the next step would have been, why don't we, they were, they were on their way to the Aurora Hotel, which had a very historic bar. Why don't we go there and see that historic bar and drink some of that historic paintbrush cleaner? So we went over to the, no, we didn't go to the Aurora. I said, you know, we've really got to get back. We have a dinner, and get, we didn't have a dinner engagement, but I just spoke for the group. The other two guys were a couple of editors. <laughs> they were kind of jaws <laughs> hanging open. I said, "We got to get going." And this was before I had the warning from Father. But I already knew about men and women. You know, I, I, I had had a lot of good training. So uh, we went back over to the thing, and uh, and I said, "You know," they said, "Oh, we could, we would have just been a drink." And I said, "No, no, no." I said, "This is an old. This is the oldest trick in the book." This goes back to Byzantine times. This goes back to, you know, Julius Caesar was doing this, <laughs> was being lured into bars by pretty girls. So anyway, we went and, and, and a few other things happened like that. I met Tanya, the heat-seeking missile. Tanya was a single mom, again, incredibly beautiful. Incredibly, it just It almost aches to think of her. And she had an apartment. And me and Jesus were going out to, we had an apartment in a little Khrushchev era place. It was a dive. It was our apartment there in Moscow when we were there doing permanent stuff. And we were going out to hunt for for butter because we heard there might be some in a shop. You'd you'd hear about something, go and stand in line and get it and go for bread or something like that. And I met this girl coming through, and we are talking, and she says, hi. I said, hi. She says, what are you doing here? I said, well, we're out looking for bread. And she, she said, "She said, are you Sovietologists? And I said, no, no, we're not. We're just guys. We're helping organize some conferences. In and so she gave us her apartment number. We gave her ours. Drop by when you get a chance. She came by, and I'm sitting in the living room typing on my computer, and she's, hey, Seuss is on the couch, he sits down next to Jesus and he's, and, and, and Jesus, the center of Jesus' universe is his wife. That's the absolute center of his universe. If you melt him down and cut him apart like one of those big falafel things on the spike <laughs> turning around on the stand in New York, you'd strip him down to the core, you'll find his wife. He's a piece of meat spinning around his wife. Well, wow, what a great image. I'm going to put that in the story. <laughs> so anyway, we said we said, uh, she was leaning into him, practically laying on his crotch as he pulled out a an album to lay it there and show her pictures of his family and his wife. She was still leaning in. Occasionally, I would look back, and I was having so much fun. I was <laughs> and I said, I'm sure Jesus will handle it. <laughs> and, and so anyway, she gets up to go to the bathroom. And Jesus puts the thing back. He says, oh, my God. So I said, hey, that was great. You were great, man. So, and I finished my thing and I went into the kitchen to sit down for a second. She walks into the kitchen, sits down. I'm feeling okay because there's a little round table between us, a little postage ta- stamp table. But suddenly it's like the table was was, was missed. She was, I just was looking at this, this, this wall of teeth and eyes and boobs and lips. And she was just kind of, kind of at once all over and around the table. And I thought, wow. So I, I started talking about the blessing and what the blessing means. I wasn't showing her pictures of my wife. That wasn't working with Jesus. So I started talking about the blessing. And I said, the blessing changes your blood lineage and it stops all the, the sexual running around and you find purpose and you, you, find, you find actually God I know they teach you God doesn't exist but God does exist and you find and I just explained it and and I explained the whole blessing it took about 20 minutes and and it was things I hadn't thought of I hadn't thought of it was God speaking and gradually she settled back and her spirit became more contained and Jesus appeared in the doorway and we were talking and after that she became a sister really she went from being this sort of lonely lust bomb to being my little sister my little sister then i could really really love her and and she went back home. we saw her a few more times she came over watched her she but totally behaved herself and she had questions about the blessing things like that so
0: can i just do some follow up questions because that's a that's something that many people cannot do is transition from being possessed I always talk about the magnetic pull that happens that once you're too close you're done for it's it's like the you, you there's nothing you can do to stop it but you were able to not get stuck in the tractor beams and create a, a different spirit a different feeling for her and for you but like how were you able to not get pulled in because that's the, the death of many a man, right? Is that's the uh, sirens, right, from uh, the Odyssey? Yeah, you want to you want to
1: tear your loose from, yourself loose from being s- roped to
0: the mast,
1: and you want yeah. to jump overboard into the arms of the sirens, to to die. In the relationship with Tanya, the heat-seeking missile, <laughs> neither Jesus nor I ever got. Never engaged. We never flipped the switch that connected our anode or cathode or vice versa we never we never engaged it wasn't an option and i had already seen you know the the pretty girls the uh, this uh, uh, one tour in in the hotels in moscow the hotels were touristy. you're not allowed to get into the hotel unless you can show your american passport or german passport or foreign passport and there's a doorman there and even if you've seen him 10 times that day you still have to show him your passport. He just this real, he <laughs> this block, <laughs> you know, this brick wall. He was like a uh, anyway, he was <laughs> something. He was a, he was something else. But we would get into the hotel, and the hotel had all of these Russian hookers sitting around the lobby. Now you gals get in here? You know, so we I you'd have to. I'd get bottled water at night for my my thing get a bottle of water at night and go down to the bar. The bar was was open. so where they sold bottles of water. And I'd get a bottle of water. And some members of the Fact Finder tour would be drinking there and talking and stuff like that. And, and there was always some girl sitting by herself reading a book <laughs> that I had read, Jurassic Park, you know. And I said, you know, that that book, that's a great book. I like Michael Crichton. Uh, I like everything he did. I think he died shortly after that, or about that time. Anyway, that's an. He, he wrote the Andromeda Strain. Anyway, I said that's a that's a that's a that's a fine book. I that's I bet they're going to make it into a movie. And I uh, just oh I love it. I'm at the part where I she said am I spoiling for? It? I said no no I've read it. She said well, I'm at the barber and I'm buying my water and stuff like that. And uh, her name was. Something. And it was okay we went. But we could have sat and talked there all night. We could have talked there all night and then adjourned somewhere.
0: Well, you, I remember,
1: let yourself, you get pulled in. If you let yeah. yourself. But you all, there's always a time when you have a choice. And it's a super clear choice. It's a time. The hard part is when it sneaks up on you. It's so obvious there she's a Soviet hooker sitting in a bar reading a book in English you know I guess you speak English you know that's that's that stuff is easy and father said they're gonna send you pretty girls and I said father they already have they already did and and that was and then I explained a few of the times I said I never reported about these but here's here's basically what what goes on. we had one guy. Get fully ensnared in what we call the honey trap And the the lady Reading the book in the bar You know You know what bait works He's an editor, lady reading a book Editor's reading So he ended up Spending most of All of his nights at her apartment or whatever He'd show up for our daytime tour stuff Then we changed our, our, Our tour guide was so disgusted And I told her you know I, I said, well, tomorrow we're changing cities. We're going to go down to Kiev, so that'll be the end of her. And she just looked at me like, you don't know anything, Grasshopper. <laughs> so, you are an idiot. So we went down to Kiev, and she was there. She would followed us to Kiev. She followed what? us all around. And is she and diplomatic immunity? Well, you can fly locally. Flying locally is not that hard, but if you can get into a hotel, a tourist hotel as a russian passport i'm sure you can get on a plane and i knew all of our rooms were tapped i knew everything was tapped we were always tapped always followed those three gals from moscow that they should have been wearing neon signs that said we're part of the, we're, we're sent over by the kgb we're part of the we're a honey trap and and heat seeking tanya was not a honey trap i'm convinced she was just absolutely lonely. And she met two nice Americans who were very gentle and kind.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and that's the kind that could that could sneak up on a person, but Jesus and I were together. That's one boulevard. And, and she was just obviously, it would have been cruel and exploitive to take advantage of her. Just, it would have been disgusting. I would have to kill myself or something.
0: I remember you talking specifically about an instance when you had a really good rapport with somebody in a situation like that. Yes. Where they were really well-read and you enjoyed the conversation. It was a conversation that you couldn't have with your wife because she has a different frame of reference, different world view. And it was not that you were attracted by your hormones. It was much more a feeling of connection that runs on a more emotional level, and you were very cautious about that. I'd love for you to unpack that, too. That was in Argentina. I was sent down to start
1: Tiempos del Mundo, Spanish-language weekly newspaper in Argentina. And and my wife and kids stayed behind, so I was by myself. There was me and two other guys. I was by myself, but, but then they went back to, one of them just said, I've had it with this crap, and they went back home. And another one had some distress, mental distress, and, and went home. And so then I'm there by myself running this newspaper. And uh, Taiko's not there. And uh, there's, there's people in the newspaper. The newspaper's full of people that are, are very warm and wonderful and nice women. But they were they were all members of my religious community. And I already knew the, the principle that if you, this is like, a th- here's a thing, and maybe you can figure this out. This is a side, slight s- sidetrack, and I'll get back to this other one. Sure. But uh, two people, are they want to have an affair. It would ruin each one of their lives, each one of their families, if it ever got out. So they're highly invested In keeping it secret and yet through something it always becomes known it always becomes found out yeah how does that happen and I finally figured out boys and girls I finally figured out it's because think things want to be known it demands to be known and somehow it just demands to be known and and somehow it becomes known and it destroys Him, her, their marriage, their family, everything like that. Yeah. And so there were, there were, I was like the central figure in Buenos Aires in a way for, of employment for our church members. And a lot of them were women and they had the families, they had things like that. So that was not super hard to maintain, you know, I'm, I'm used to being a brother and I'm used to having a sister around and I'll get back to that in a minute about always having sisters. But I would, you know, weekends, I'd go for a walk. I'd go to the park, sit there one time. And there was this, there was a woman there. She was well-read. She was, I think, single or married or something like that. And and we had a talk. And, and it was, oh, my God, I'm there feeling better. It was the first time I didn't have an empty ache inside me in a long time. And it wasn't a sexual experience. <laughs> It was a bonding experience. It was nice. It was like it was like love. Like, I, I, you know Americans we have two words. We have like and we have love. and we're pitifully short in vocabulary in being able to sustain a really deep conversation on the nuances of human emotion. We have a lot of trouble hearing that because you li- I like you, I love you. I like I like this, I love ice cream. I love you. I love ice cream. My wife <laughs> thought that was the most ridiculous thing she had ever heard. She's Japanese. So they have well, a huge vocabulary for relationship. You love me. You love ice cream. What the all am I supposed to do with <laughs> <Right>. that? <laughs> where, 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 where does that go?
0: Yeah, it's so, pretty oh, belittling.
1: What, yeah, what do you do with ice cream when I'm not around? You know. It's <laughs> like, so, so anyway, I so anyway, it was a wonderful. It was one of the most I could have, we talked for maybe two or three hours. Could have talked forever. Hadn't had a conversation like that. I was so starved. for it. I realized, left, uh, I left there leave thinking, you know, looking at myself and saying, Larry, you are such a mess. You are, su-. and yet, that was such a meaningful conversation. It was a park I went to a lot and she went to a lot. So it was, we ended up seeing each other, contrived or not contrived probably contrived 50% let's say 50% contrived and then we went over and had a cup of coffee and together and it was like so then you go and you have a cup of coffee together you've removed yourself to another scene you're not you haven't fallen I hadn't fallen over the cliff but I could see the edge I could see the edge and it scared the crap out of me it scared the crap out of me And I think that's because God was not that far away from me. God was in far away. Or as one one spiritualist said, Larry, you have some ancestor that God really, really loves. And he says, you keep getting right near the edge of something and they pull you back. Somebody keeps saving your ass. I said, well, I owe him, I owe him lunch, <laughs> that's for sure. So I, 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 that scared me. And then I said, you know, there's only two ways this can go. I'm, it's not my first rodeo, I'm not a child. Two ways this can go. It can go over the edge of the cliff or it can stop. There is no halfway. You don't quit smoking by drawing a line on the cigarette and smoking it down to that line and throwing it away. You don't quit smoking by I quit smoking you don't quit smoking by by what is it I'm only gonna smoke this many a day or and then take the others and put them somewhere else put them in a baggie and you don't don't quit smoking that way you quit smoking by taking the pack and throwing it out the window and even that's not enough because then for the next two weeks you just bum cigarettes off your friends so but you quit smoking by going through a night in your apartment where it's a short walk down to the 7-eleven to buy a dr pepper and a pack of marlboros and and it is gut-wrenching it is gut-wrenching you're screaming here i was screaming i was screaming i was cursing i was profaning easter i was doing everything (laughs) you know i was and and i was ready to go. So you know i was using all the words and, and I went down, I thought, you know, and then I, so I didn't go. I didn't go to the Seven Eleven. I didn't buy a pack of Marlboros. And I had a talk with myself, or maybe that guy pulling me back from the edge, that poor bastard who has his work cut out for him, who <laughs> said, Larry, if you don't quit after this, you're going to have to experience this night again. This night will come again. This night will come again. And that's what I said to myself, standing on the edge. This day will come again. This day will come again. And I think, <clears throat> I think, I I scared myself. I think she scared herself too. And it's just a cup of coffee, a cup of coffee sure. and a croissant. You know, I mean, but but but, just the spiritual bond it fills the room. It was like an atomic bomb. And hey. I said it, it stops it. So I stopped it. Stopped it. Bam. Okay. And hey. go back to the park. I did the same thing I did when I quit cigarettes. I I I didn't go down to the seven eleven. I didn't go down to the park and engage her. I hung out with my when I wanted a female companion, I hung out with my sisters at the newspaper. They were very safe and and we could talk and 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 I ended up acquitting myself pretty well in Argentina, I think. I it's, So that was
0: I just want to Kind of unpack that for a second because what you did was you snapped yourself out of that hypnotic state where you are just a justification is painting this whole scene and it's it's something that's feeding you clearly and you will obviously continue to do it until you acknowledge that it's not healthy and say it out loud to yourself and say it out loud to the other person that kind of breaks the spell to some degree. And then distance dissipates the rest of the spell, but that spell is something that's been cast on so many a person that they refuse to say the words that this is unhealthy, especially to if it involves another person. And it's the illusion that it's not that bad that allows justification to reign and to control that scenario, because it was, like, After the first conversation, you probably should have just never gone back to that park. But there's like that excitement, and it's not that bad. It was just a conversation. But deep down, you kind of know where it's headed, but you you haven't confronted it yet.
1: I was already scared after the first conversation. I was already nervous. Yeah. Then I had the second one. And it just felt so good while the minute we went to the thing. And I said something like, at the end, I said, something like I don't know where I said maybe something like I'm probably not going to come back here again something like that she already understood she already knew she already understood it was just a very simple like five word sentence or something like that that's all it took so I was fortunate that she was in a similar place she was having that same conversation with herself and then on the way home, I had a loud conversation with myself, and I said the words, you know, Larry, you stupid son of a bitch.
0: Get Yeah, no, you're getting real with yourself. I mean, that's... Yeah. All these situations can be avoided so much more expediently if we are also communicating with other people, because they, uh, if you're having a face, face, face-to-face conversation recounting your encounter with this person, they will look at you with such an expression that you know that you've done something wrong. Because they're just like, bro, you know what you're talking about, right? Like, yeah, don't yeah. talk to her. If you have, like, a really good friend who knows you, they're like,
1: oh, yeah. you've
0: already, you're in it too far, man. Get get the hell out of there. So, But if you don't have that, then you need to do what Larry did, which is have a very you loud need, conversation with yourself. <laughs> you need
1: a community. I went down. I was called one time to go down to fly down to Atlanta stick a piece of paper in a guy's hand and fly back. Sweet. So there was a giant convention at a convention center. I went down, found him, stuck a piece of paper in his hand and, and was on my way out the door. That's kind of one of my traditions. When I go on the roads, I get a store-bought shoe shine. I've been to 62 countries. So I I've I know the shoe shine in yeah. every country and they're all great. And uh, there was this woman, beautiful woman, she was shining shoes, a shoeshinista And she was shining shoes. I got up on the staff, so said, he said, Hi, what? She said, "What's your name?" Said Larry, and she said, "I'm Dina, Atlanta, Dina. I'm Dina." So Dina was shining my shoes, and her blouse was open like to about here. And I can I could see all the way to Disneyland, <laughs> and, and 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 I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Just shining my shoes. She she said, "You have nice eyes." I said, "Well, you have nice eyes too." That <laughs> <laughs> so she's shining white shoes, and that's going on. And I'm thinking, oh my God, Larry, why does this happen to you? So I tried to avert my eyes, but there was not much you can. there's not much averting to do, but I made a, at least a, an effort at it. And then after she finished, I gave her a nice tip, a really nice tip, like the cost of the shoe shine, basically, which was the whole point of the interaction from her part. She shines shoes for tips. And then I took I went down the thing. And I was thinking about it on the way and I said, Larry, that was like this should be a story in your book. And it became a story in my book called Shoe Shine in Hot Atlanta." <laughs> and so I went I went to the, the airport and, and I was sitting there, you know, and there was this gal, she was reading a book, and there was this guy sort of chewing on her ear and nibbling on her neck, guy right next to her, and she was kind of trying to read the book. And uh, she didn't slap him or push him away, but he was kind of munching on this side of her head. <laughs> she woke she and he was getting his fill, I guess. And and I thought, what if he just sort of jumped on her and ripped off the bodice and and took her down into the hay? And yes, and yes, I said yes. And I was just thinking about that in my, in my imagination. I thought, wouldn't that be cool? And I thought, eh, probably not here in the waiting room but by then I had sort of adopted a sense of humor with myself my sense of humor that's a sign that my sense of humor was coming back so when we got back home it was about like 11 o'clock it took a long time with delays and everything and I got back feeling like I had been beaten with a stick I was just wiped out and Tycho was there and she had some late dinner for me I said I said funniest thing happened in Atlanta so I, I laid out the whole story to her you out the whole story you remember what she said I told her about the watching the guy chew on the gal in the airport. When I thought about that, she just thought he really went there. Anyway, she we just talk about it. Well, we and and it diffused it. We we talk about this all the time. I talk well, with her. Can all, we talk? You gotta have somebody you can talk with, somebody you can open yeah. and say, you know, you know, me and my penis go back a long way, and you gotta talk about <laughs> it, you know. <laughs>
0: How What what do you get by talking about it with your wife? Because I just had this conversation. I was trying to sell this to somebody last week as a very important thing. They actually had a great experience. He He was under the illusion that he didn't need to have these kind of conversations with her. And then after we talked about it, he realized that he's completely just lying to himself. And of course, he wants to include his wife in everything. So including this. So like a lot of men, do not share their iniquities, especially in the realm of sexuality. They, they try to deal with it themselves, and it doesn't work out so well. But you have something that could be construed as an embarrassing thought process, and instead of just feeling bad about it, you talk about it with your wife. So, first of all, why, why, do, why did you do that instead of just hiding it? And what did you get from that conversation? Oh, time to switch signs.
1: This, this says, heavenly blessing has arrived. Nice. Kubo, a guy named Kuborki, I believe former leader in Japan, did that for me when I went it's to beautiful. Japan. Oh, it's got my name on it and everything. So, you, if you're lucky enough to have a wife, even if she can't handle it, when you go to her, if you go to her and say, I had this experience, or I was flogging my dolphin, or something like that, and and you and you <clears throat> and even if she's thoroughly disgusted you have to grab her by the shoulders and look her in the eye and say i'm your husband i was put on earth as the son of goddamn satan and and adam and eve and and i'm working through this it's all through my dna and i'm working on this and you're working on this too whether you like it or not you know you're working on this you might have to, to do that but you also have to say, I love you more than anything I've ever loved. More than anything that's ever been important to me is loving you. I would kill myself a hundred times to be married to you, to be blessed to you, to love you. And, and you know, you're going to read her that passage from Romans of St. Paul. that my body's going this way and my, my mind is going that way. My good mind is going that way. But you do whatever it takes. And after she my wife is Japanese, sweet little Japanese. She never had a sexual thought in her life. She pulled she doesn't came out of shrink wrap.
0: You know, when we were married, I tore the shrink wrap off. You're my wife. So And so did, sh- did she take these conversations well, like in the beginning. I know now I've seen her. She's very much used to your antics. She I'm sure smacks you on the shoulder sometimes when you're being when you've gone too far, but in the beginning, how did she take you sharing very personal, difficult stuff? That I,
1: I I went to her one time and I said I was looking at dirty pictures on the internet, and she said, "Show me." What? Show you? Yeah, I want to see. So she, I showed her the pictures, and you know they're you know they're eighteen or nineteen or something. She said they're kind of young, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> But I talked about it. I said, I'm sorry. I'm going to stop this. I'm so sorry. I need your help. I'm going to stop this. And she said, I accept your apology. And let's just do it. Something like that. She's very mature. Very mature about the whole thing. And her maturity saved my life. So I I think, here's the thing. I don't want to put too much on it, but actually there's a very big thing. There are people working with us spiritually who have our best interests at heart in the spirit world. They can see us. They can see the evil spirits who are standing next to us and they go stand next to us as the good spirits. And they compete or they fight each other. They do something. But somehow Taiko was, was given a, an inclination to, to say... You know, I'm going to be here for my husband. I'm going to help him. I'm going to see what the problem is. Let's see what it is. She saw it. And says, "Oh, okay, I understand now. She's seen that stuff before. I can understand that." So then, then she she said, "Okay, let's just let's just do it." And and we talk about we talk about it. You know, see occasionally somebody some because I'm a nice guy. One of the things you should do not do if you're a nice person is don't hang out with single women who have a broken heart. One of the things that I I tell people my son's age, which is you're a little older than him, maybe you're similar, but is I tell them never hang out with a woman who has a broken heart if you're a nice guy. If you're a nice guy, don't hang out with, a, especially if she's a single woman, a divorced woman, or whatever, a woman whose marriage is having trouble. Don't hang out with a woman who has a broken heart. Because I said, your wife won't like it. And and there's a very limited amount that you can do for her because rather than working on a solution, you you eventually become part of the problem. So just don't do that. Find other friends. Talk to them. And so I hey. keep it an arm's distance. Women that have a broken heart. They sometimes seek me out because I'm a good sounding board. I'm sympathetic. I I you know, I'm what I am. I'm approachable. So there's there's that. There's a. Uh... So don't do that, I tell them. Also talk to your wife all the time. If Tycho's upset some somebody some woman calls me at ten o'clock at night We chat for a little bit. It was a little too long. I go, "We'll see, what was that about? You know, what the hell? You know." And I say, "I'm sorry." So, 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 I said, "I'll take care of it in the daytime. We'll do something." You know, and and so you got to you got to be courteous of your wife's psychic space, her heart. Always be thinking about her. You have one primary relationship. It's your wife. It's her, and you need to make. When I got blessed, I was determined. That I was not going to have a loveless marriage. This was an arranged marriage, but I was going to fall in love and 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 she would fall in love with me if I had to put a gun to her head, and I was going to do whatever it took to win her heart, to win her heart. and and I sat about when, her heart was not that hard to win, but I tried to do everything I could. and you have to still do that. And you really have to do it if you've been married 20 years or 30 years. We've been married 40 years now. So, How do you
0: win her heart these I days?
1: Her, I tell her I love her. I touch her. I smile at her. I look her in the eyes. We get up every morning at 20 till 6 and have this, you know, little church thing. We talk about our... We, we always share each other what we're grateful for. What are you grateful for? And I'm always grateful for her. If, I'm, I'm grateful to be alive. Somebody will say, "Well, it's nice to be here tonight." Well, you know, at my age, it's nice to be anywhere. So uh, <laughs> I, I tell her, I tell her, I tell her, you know, I'm so without you, I would be on the slag heap of history. I told Father one time, I said, "If I hadn't been blessed, I would be dead now." He said, "You sure would. <laughs> you sure would." I was dubbed least likely to succeed when I first joined the itinerary worker. I just blanked on her name. Herkowski. She lived with us for three years. Wonderful lady. She was an IW. Came around looked at the member. She, she said I still had marijuana smoke coming out of my ears. And she picked me as she said I would probably wander, follow a frog into a pond somewhere. Something like that. So, <clears throat> so anyway, it was you have to talk. You have to talk to your wife. And you have to maintain that as you get older. You have to look at her and appreciate her. Women get wrinkled. I get wrinkled. I, you know, I used to be Larry Moffat. <laughs> you know? But look at me now. So you you are you you look at, you know, it's it's you got to look at her. You know, when I was younger, I would see this couple walking along. They were they were old like in their 80s, an old bag of bones, a couple of them. Nothing remotely sexy about them at all. And they would gaze into each other's eyes with such adoring. And I thought, how does that happen? I couldn't imagine it in my 20s. How do you do that? There's no va-va-voom there. But now I know, I know completely, I know completely that the wrinkles, the sag, all her gray hairs. I gave her most of those gray hairs. <laughs> They're named after me and the children gave her the others. And, and, and we have learned to, I don't know, somehow you go down the road together, you get past the physical leads and you become spiritual. At some point you become spirits. And her spirit is so strong so beautiful so loving and she loves me god help her she loves me and 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 i just i think oh how can i like when i first my first thought when we were walking up to the talking room when father matched us in the ballroom and he put us together and he hit me in the arm real hard he said beautiful bam like that <laughs> And mother was laughing almost falling off her chair and I, I walked up the steps. She's behind me to bow. And I thought, oh, my God, she must have heard all the talk. And anyway, I got up the stairs. So she was lagging. But she's really dragging her feet. And I got up to the middle. She was down at the bottom. I got to the top. She was in the middle. And she just kind of bowed like that. And, and after that second time she bowed, I thought, how am I going to be worthy of this person? And I still think that. I still think that. How can I remain worthy of this person? I'm looking forward to to being in the spirit world with her although I am we're there's still so much we have to do here for our kids but we've talked a lot about which one of us will go first it will be me because of my heart issues she made me promise when she get married that she could die first because she didn't want to be left alone I don't think I can I don't think I can keep that promise but unless she just you know kind of hurry up but we've had that talk and will you remarry? No, absolutely not. I'm not. I'm through marrying people. And that first time was it. And we both said that. So we've had the realistic talk. What happens when you die? We talk about our souls. It's our souls. You're still too kind of young. You're still making babies or you could make babies or do whatever. But after a while, your relationship changes chemically if you maintain that bond. If you stay with Uyanga. Uyanga? If you yep. stay with Uyanga and 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 maintain that bond and maintain the conversations you have her because you're in the in the sex fessing up business. So you have to walk that talk. You have to have those conversations with her. So you have to keep your hormones in check, you know, and 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 you have to talk about it when you don't or when you when it's difficult. So you're doing everything you need to do right now. You and Wolfen Wolfenberg, my sex gurus, him and Mitzi, you do everything you need to do in order to make that happen. You're you're doing you're doing what you need to do, and all the people you talk to. I don't know why your group is is shunned in Japan. It's because people can't face their own situation. But but you, I, I've had people tell me that my book saved their lives. The chapter in my book called Owning Your Package, it used to be called How to Manage Your Dick. But I had so (laughs) many Japanese sisters come and say, Larry, I cannot read that chapter. I cannot read that chapter. So I changed it to tone it down a little bit. So, but I mean, it's, 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 I'm going to, I want to share something with you. So I keep looking over here. I wrote a poem. I wrote a dang poem. It's not in this book. But I sent it to Wolfenberg and Mitzi, and they liked it, and they said they were going to hang it on their bedroom wall. So I thought, if I can... Anyway, it's called In the Garden. It's about gardening. The word arrived one day on whispering winds carried by larva from the compost heap. A new green leaf decided to unfurl. The time had come to sow our seedlings deep in one audacious leap. Ignite the world. Hillocks and rolling rivulets of sand, the earth unfolds, cracks, spreading wide under the soft caresses of my hand. Warm breath excites the land's true love embrace. All creatures heed instinctual need, the call of the ancient blood of our mother's line. To create new life in this sacred place, I reach, entwine your legs in mine you reach and touch my face. Probed by insistent tongues, surrender comes to undulating fertile mounds of loam. Life enters every space there is to find, purpose fulfilled, contentment to the bone. Joyfully, joyful answerability is mine, and so from this tumescent flesh new life is sown. Downy downy velvet moss, draped, sodden with dew, soaks the ground in every furrow and grove. Visit my soil, Mr. Always-be-true, Mrs. Let-me-hug-you beside the stove. Smooth my clumped, lumpen, leafy clods under your nails, underneath more than I can stand. Hold me, roll me, inhale my pungency, then rush into this waiting fertile patch, into me, my garden, zucchini man.
0: Thanks. I like El- Elton John was the Rocket Man, and you're the Zucchini Man. On
1: <laughs> the Zucchini I like <laughs> Man, I want to write a poem that takes no prisoners. And this it's kind wonderful. Of the, in the last verse, it switches from the male perspective to the female perspective, which mm-hmm. I did not intend, but it just turned out to happen. So, anyway, there's poetry in this book <laughs> if you can handle.
0: Searching for son, did you put it, the link in the thing? I will put the yeah when we post this episode. I will make sure that okay. people have access to it, and I'll we fix it gotta and go. Post. <laughs> yeah, I'll edit us. will be young and buff, but I do have three minutes before I get. the go ahead. Pie from the lady. So, do you have any last words of wisdom before we part ways? Be kind young to sir.
1: yourself. Be kind to yourself. Forgive yourself. Father forgave Stalin and Lenin. For Christ's sake. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. And 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 go to your wife and let her forgive the both of you. Wow. Uh, you know, that old saying, you know, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. As long as you draw breath, forgive yourself. And 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 just love and and be grateful always be grateful consciously grateful speak your gratitudes every day good so to your to your mate and talk to each other love her look in her eyes touch her touch her baggy old body and she'll touch your rankly old thing (laughs) just you know just love just love you have to love in the end there will be love when i go to heaven or go to anywhere i go even if i go to hell I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm just I just want to do something where I can be useful. If I get sent to some middle-class place or the pits of hell, I'll say, okay, I want to be useful. I want to be useful. God gave me everything. The true parents gave me everything. I never ever thought of leaving the true parents. Never. It never occurred to me. Mother's saying a bunch of new things now. That's okay. The woman has to make these statements woman has to emerge otherwise mother cannot liberate women if she cannot say that what mother's doing now is liberating woman and and we went you know we had adam we had jesus we had father came as the second of the, he picked up where jesus left off and did okay we never had an eve we never ever had an eve you can't make a baby without a woman you can't make a new world without eve eve never got off the dime Jesus couldn't find his the only one that came along was mother and everybody was against her she had to slog through so much garbage but now she has a free reign she's doing things so love and accept what mother's saying and 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 understand that you can't slide a paper sideways between mother and father you can't get they are so close they are so tight understand that and what she's doing is principle that's my sermon yeah baby I I got to read
0: my poem. I got to say my thing. Thanks. I can tell you've been practicing being a grandpa because you're really good at it. You got those good grandpa vibes. You got a lot of good stuff in your pocket. You probably have candy in your pocket for your grandkids, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) I don't give him candy, but I give him... We shoot hoops.
1: My three-year-old. We shoot hoops in the living room. He he walked in while we were off the air, while we got cut off the air. He walked in, hung out, showed me an airplane in the car. I said, go see, go see Grandma, I'm talking to these guys, and I'll come out and hang out with you later. I said, I love you, and as he's leaving, he said, I love you, Grandpa. Oh so, He knows the moves, he's got good moves.
0: Well, I love being a grandfather.
1: Oh, oh, here's another thing. Live long enough to become a grandparent, because when you're a grandparent, suddenly everything makes sense. When you have children, they're you 2.0, they're Andrew version 2.0, but grandchildren, you see the lineage. You see you can see back two generations and then you can see a hundred years back and a hundred years forward and you can it all makes sense. Yeah. It all makes sense somehow. Anyway, this has Thank been a you. long long conversation. Thank
0: you so much, Andrew. It's so nice to see you. Yeah, this is really cool. I'll make sure that everybody gets a chance to check. I've you know plug I always loved your book. He's an amazing writer, but really funny, but also really deep, as you can tell. So please check out his book.
1: And I'm working
0: on another one. Oh, we wrote it another one. A children's book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sally and Roy and the Impossible Toy. Sweet. By Mary Cox and Larry Moffat. Mary Cox did all the drawing. She gets top billing. It's a beautiful children's book lots of lots of pictures a neat story they they go to an enchanted island in Africa a hidden island off the coast called no manzan no manzan island <laughs> Ta-da! so <I> got that <laughs> okay
0: very cool well I look forward to anyway I don't want to give a generic ending but thank you Thank, Thank you. Thank you for your patience you for... And,
1: and indulgence in all my wanderings here. Thank you so much.
0: And just so everybody knows, we were supposed to record this last week and Harry Larry ended up in the hospital and nothing can stop him. So I don't know. I think you're still gonna be here for another hundred years. I think Who I knows have a in pacemaker. what state. If you tap right here there's okay. a hard plastic pacemaker, I have a ticker. It's
1: nice to know how you're gonna unless I get hit by a bus, it's nice to know what's gonna finally take you out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It won't be a surprise. I love you, man. I'll see you later. I love you. Take care.